Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everybody and anybody and all of you that are tuning in to the Phenomenal Fan Podcast, welcome back to episode 41. Thanks for tuning in. 41 is going to be a good one for you guys because guess what? LeBron James lied again. <laughs> the guy's a compulsive liar. And it's okay. It, it, it's not the end of the world. It's not life-wrecking uh, stuff. But he lies all the time. The Astros won the World Series, so good for them. We'll talk about that. And the NFL script writers did their very, very best back in whatever the week was that just passed. Week 9. Still got one more game to play, but week 9, NFL script writers did a great job keeping everybody engaged, keeping all the fan bases around, storylines intact, and we'll get into all that. So thanks for tuning in to episode 41, guys. Let's get into it. The Phenomenal Fan Podcast, a podcast by the fan, for the fan. guys welcome back like i said we got a good episode for you guys today episode 41 a lot went down this past weekend college football was crazy bunch of top teams went down clemson number four clemson lost number six alabama lost number one tennessee lost Ugh, man i'm an alabama fan it was a tough loss for me okay don't get me wrong it was a very tough loss um but you know man can't win them all. You can't win them all, and good for these other teams that are most likely going to be jumping up in the college football rankings. You're probably going to find TCU in the top four. Probably going to find Michigan in the top four. You're probably going to find, mm, well, that's probably it in the top four because Georgia killed Tennessee. Yeah, it was only a 14-point win, but Georgia dominated the entire, the entire length of that game. So Georgia beats Tennessee. They're going to slide up to one. Ohio State wins and stays at two. Michigan will probably slide up to three, coming from number five. And TCU is undefeated at 9-0, 6-0 in the Big 12. They'll probably find themselves in that number four spot in the college football playoff rankings. That was pretty much the gist of it. Alabama lost in overtime to LSU, number 10 LSU. LSU is probably going to jump Bama, if I had to guess. They'll both have two losses. And LSU will, of course, have that head-to-head. And other than that, it was, uh, I mean, I would say relatively uneventful sort of college football slate. I guess number six, number 18, Oklahoma State, got kind of killed by Kansas. Uh, but that was about it. The bigger talking points in the world of football, man, is the NFL. Holy smokes. Bunch of good games. Bunch of good games. And the NFL scriptwriters, like I said, are back at it again. They're back at it again. The NFL script writers did an excellent job in week nine of making sure all of their big teams and fan bases and players stayed relevant in the league. Right? You got the Chargers beating the Falcons on a 
walk-off field goal. I don't know how you can watch the end of that game and not be at least a little bit suspicious about what's going on in the league. I'm not going to sit here and tell the NFL is rigged because it's probably not. But when Austin Eckler gets the ball, as the Chargers are marching down the field at the end of the fourth quarter, he fumbles. Falcons defensive player picks up the fumble, starts running with it, and he fumbles. That, to me, is about as suspicious as it gets. Is it probably just the guy who's never carried the ball before fumbling the football? Probably. But they also want the big name LA sports media markets to stay relevant. They want the Chargers to be good. So they they might find a way for the Chargers to win that game over the four and five Atlanta Falcons. That's all I'm saying. Um Tom Brady, Tampa Bay. The Bucs had absolutely no chance to win this game throughout the entirety of the game. Their offense was abysmal. They scored six points through the first three quarters. They scored 10. And this might just be a product of the Rams' offense being low-performing as well. But here comes Tom Brady down the field. His, his drives, he punted the ball about 15 times. Okay. And if we look at the box score and we look at play-by-play, for the Bucks and the Rams, the Bucks had 323 total yards. The Rams had 206. I get it, okay? Here's how the Buccaneers' drives went in that entire game. Ready? Field goal, punt, 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 blocked field goal, field goal. End of the second, end of the, uh, yeah, okay. Let me let me run that back. This is the entire Tampa Bay Buccaneers' possessions in the game against the Rams in Week 9. Field goal, punt, 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 blocked field goal, field goal. They have six points at halftime. Third quarter starting, punt, Punt, turnover on downs, punt, field goal, turnover on downs, and then, miraculously, Tom Brady leans his team down the field, completing some clutch third down passes, throws a pass incomplete to Mike Evans in the end zone, pass interference on the defense, enforced to the one-yard line, and the Bucks end up scoring a touchdown to win the game. The NFL script writers did an excellent job at the end of that game, making sure Tom Brady and the Bucks stayed relevant for another week in the NFL to make sure that whoever they play next week, they can be relevant and not turn into a complete dumpster fire team, which is the direction, which is the direction that they're trending. The chiefs also pulling off a bit of a miracle win, right? Nobody, nobody thought the Chiefs would be even remotely near competing with the Tennessee Titans. The Chiefs were favored by two touchdowns coming into this game. 
Patrick Mahomes, okay, Patrick Mahomes threw the football 68 motherfucking times against the Kansas City, I'm sorry, against the Tennessee Titans. Patrick Mahomes threw the ball 68 motherfucking times against the Titans. I've said it before about Mahomes and the Chiefs. I'll say it again about Mahomes and the Chiefs. Until the Chiefs have a relatively effective running game and a defense that can resemble a top seven to top five defense, until they have those things around Mahomes, he will still be amazing. He will still put up crazy numbers. But all he's got to lean on at the moment, is his tight end, Travis Kelsey. Whereas these other quarterbacks have a defense to lean on. They've got a good running game to hand it off to if they can't throw the ball very well for that game. Mahomes has to do everything by himself. He's running around in the backfield like a chicken with his head cut off. He's throwing the ball to run. He's pump faking. He's running for first downs, throwing balls up off balance. He's a great player. But I don't think Patrick Mahomes will find himself winning more than one more Super Bowl for the entirety of his career until he ends up with a legitimate running game and a defense that can at least hold its own. Yeah, you know what? They gave up 17 points to the Titans. That's great. P.J. Walker was playing quarterback. Or uh, not P.J. Walker. Uh, uh, P.J. Walker's with Carolina. Um, Malik was... I get... I get that Kansas City's defense played well in Week 9, but Malik Willis was 5 for 16 with 80 yards. He's not a real quarterback. So you can't you can't say that the defense played well in that game. Okay? If you look through Kansas City's schedule, you look through Kansas City's schedule, they gave up 23 to the 49ers. They gave up 24 to the Bills, 30 to the Raiders, 30 to the uh, Tampa Bay, 17, no, 20 to the Colts, 24 to the Chargers, and 21 to the Cardinals, okay? I don't know where they stand statistically, but my point is Patrick Mahomes is not going to win more than one more Super Bowl in his career. And the reason he's going to win just that one more is because strictly he's the most talented quarterback in the league. After that, he's got to have the support system around him that will lead him to success because otherwise he's not going to win. He's not going to win at a sustainable level. He threw the ball 68 times against the Tennessee Titans. 68 times. How about this for a box score? Patrick Mahomes, 43 for 68, 446 yards, a touchdown and an interception. He got sacked four times. He carried the ball six times for 63 yards and had a rushing touchdown. And they played a Tennessee team whose only good player is Derrick Henry. That's literally their only good player. And he carried the ball 17 times for 115 yards and two touchdowns. They won by three points against a Tennessee team that has one good player. But the good news is the NFL scriptwriters were able to help him out. The NFL scriptwriters gave him a break. And the Chiefs found a way to win. Okay? So, 
uh, going through the standings in the NFL quickly. The Bills lost to the uh, New York Jets, by the way, which is just crazy. Josh Allen is – he's got an elbow thing. Who knows? I mean, I'm guessing he'll probably just try to play the rest of the year, but, you know, who knows? Bills are 6-2. and 6 and yeah 6 and 2. Bills are 6 and 2. They're in first place in the AFC East. The Ravens are 5 and 3 at the top of the AFC North. Titans are 5 and 3 at the top of the AFC South. Absolute dumpster fire division. AFC West, the Chiefs, Chargers, uh Chiefs and Chargers are above 500 and uh about a game-ish apart. In the NFC, the Eagles are 8 and 0. They're the only undefeated team remaining. They got a two-game lead over the Dallas Cowboys. The Vikings are 7-1. and one. And they have a full, by the way, a full four-game, four-and-a-half-game lead over the uh, Green Bay Packers. Four-and-a-half games. The Bucks are in first place in the NFC South, and they're 4-5. and five. Yeesh. The Seahawks, man. The Seahawks are in first in the NFC West. I don't think they're going to win that division, but the Seahawks are legit. They are legit. They played the Arizona Cardinals this week. They beat them 31-21. to Geno Smith had another really good day. Kenneth Walker, the running back for uh, the Seahawks, had another really good day. Seahawks are legit. They're going to find themselves in the postseason this year. Do I think they're going to run and go through and get to the Super Bowl? No, no. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. They're not going to win their own division. I think the 49ers win the NFC West when it's all said and done. But the Seahawks are probably going to finish at least nine and eight, probably ten and seven, potentially eleven and six. Any of those three will get you in the postseason. So good for the Seahawks. Glad to see it. Moving on. Another saga has unfolded in the book of LeBron James and his compulsive <laughs> lying. This time, he was paying homage to Takeoff, one of the three brothers in Migos, the group, uh, the rap group Migos. Migos uh, has the group of them, Takeoff, Offset, and Quavo. Takeoff uh, was unfortunately, uh, he unfortunately passed away um, with some, some gang violence situation over what sounded like a dispute. Uh, it wasn't a gang. I don't want to say gang related because I don't know anything about that or the affiliation. But they got into an argument with a group of people uh, out on the town, and one thing led to another, and unfortunately, uh, his life was taken from him. But he was a big deal in the rap community. He's a good artist individually as well as a part of Migos. So a lot of people were paying respects to to take off. LeBron dressed in an attire that apparently had been worn previously or similarly by takeoff. And he was asked about it in his post-game press conference after the Lakers played a game uh, earlier this week. Let me run this back. I'm listening to those guys for so long. I was listening to those guys when I was my first year with the Heat in 2010. And you can ask any one of my teammates back then, had no idea what Amigos was. They were like cursing me out when I would play it because I was way over them. 
players want the locker room. Uh, but I'm telling you, you guys are next. I'm letting you know right now, you guys got to turn this off. I'm not going to hear this. Um, just fast forward, I mean, just, just knowing, uh, you know, take off personally and see my condolences to, to Quaid and all the family and the whole, whole QC family and everybody. All right, so if you didn't hear that, uh, basically LeBron said, LeBron said he's been listening to Migos since his first year with the Miami Heat in 2010. You can ask one of my teammates back then. They had no idea who Migos was. I was like, I'm telling you, these guys are next. Um... Migos group. When did Migos start rapping? 2008-2012, formation and early releases. Migos was formed in 2008 by Quavo, Takeoff and Offset, and they originally called themselves the Polo Club. The name Migos is a take on the three Amigos, right? So... 2013, Migos released their breakthrough single, Versace. Uh, it made the Billboard Top 100. So, they were a nobody until 2013. Like, I mean, literally a nobody. LeBron said he'd been listening to them since 2010 and that he was playing it in the locker room for his teammates and his teammates were telling him, oh man, turn it off. I don't know who these people are. He's telling them, I'm telling you guys, these guys are next. So this is obviously uh, just a classic uh, lie from LeBron. Uh, super random thing to lie about. It's okay. I'm not, nobody's like super mad about it, but it's not the first time LeBron has just simply compulsively lied about something. Here's a clip of LeBron. I think it's a, a show. Um, yeah, The Shop. It's called The Shop. I can't remember if it's a YouTube show or if it's a it's, it's somewhere. It's called The Shop. And it uh groups of guys get around in like a barbershop and they they talk about a lot of different things. Life, uh, business, sports, and LeBron is I don't know if he's featured on every single episode or if he was on this one episode in particular. And uh this is a quote from LeBron. I had one coach, um, and he used to say, "Put yourself in situations where you're not in, you're not comfortable." Oh Play yeah, that's my favorite saying. Um, that's my favorite saying. That's his favorite saying. Uh, was the one saying that that one guy, uh, that one guy brought up, happened to be LeBron's favorite saying. So interesting uh, to hear that. Uh, LeBron in the book situation. Yeah, I, I had. One um, Alex Haley. He was seen in a post-game press conference with a copy of Malcolm X's book, and he was asked about it. Alex Haley. I don't know how far you are into the book, but what's your biggest takeaway so far? Um, I kind of just started a couple of days ago, um, but um, I've read and a lot of a lot of notes over the years. Um, it's my first time actually reading it from start to finish. Um, but just a very um. Very smart man. Very, very, very smart man. Alex Haley. I don't know so, how far you are. In uh, he's a very smart man. It's his first time reading it all the way through. So 
clearly he didn't read it and he's not going to read it. Uh, um and, and how uh, amazing This I don't know I don't know anything about this clip. I'm not familiar with it. And, and how uh, amazing it is. Um you know and I actually made a trip over uh you know to Liverpool as well and and, and see all the sights and, and the arena and, and everything. Um so it was pretty pretty unique. Yeah, Crouchy is actually a Liverpool legend. He used to play there. I don't know if you knew that. No, I knew that. I didn't get an opportunity to see him play when he was with the club, but I definitely knew. I, I definitely knew that. The current captain, uh, Jordan Henderson, just scored his first goal for England the other day. It was uh, amazing to see. You fan of his? No, absolutely. And I saw and I, I saw a clip of that too. Um, I didn't get an opportunity to actually see the game live, mm. but um, I saw that he was able to score one in the, in the in the match the other day, and I thought that was uh, it's pretty unique the fact that he would do that and then also be with Liverpool Football Club. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't know anything about that clip, but uh, obviously LeBron's uh, lying there, whatever, innocent lie. I watched the whole, this is I watched the whole game. I seen the whole game. I was at home watching the game, and you know, I said he was going before the game even started. When I seen, uh, I said he was probably going to score seventy tonight. I don't, I don't know what made me say that. And my friends was with me, and they was like, okay. So when he got to like seventy. I, I was like, well, he might as well go for 80 now. So, I mean, I'm a fan of the game. And to see that performance was unbelievable. I watched the whole game. Okay, so that was on that was LeBron on Kobe Bryant in the 80 game he scored 80 points. Kobe Bryant. Kobe scored 80 points in one game. LeBron was asked about coach, it. Um, and he used to say, put sorry about that. LeBron was asked about it, and LeBron said, I was watching the game, and I told my friends he was going to score 70 points. That's just another bold-faced lie. So my question is, right? My question is, um, I wonder if there's a particular reason why he wants to lie, or, like, why... I don't I don't really understand. It, you know, it's not again, it's not the end of the world. It's okay. I'm not I'm not like losing sleep over it. But somebody's got to do something about LeBron just straight up bold-faced not telling the truth and just making stuff up. It's not the end of the world. It's not going to absolutely ruin somebody's day, right? Um But at the end of the day, LeBron just lies so much. I mean, he lies so, so much. It's, like, crazy how much he lies. So, like I was saying, my question is, who's going to be the one to call out LeBron and say, actually, uh, LeBron, I'm almost certain that what you're saying is just, like, not true. The thing is, you can never verify any of the lies that he's actually telling. So that's why he says these things. You can never go back in time and verify if he was playing stuff in the locker room back in 2010. Uh, if he was playing Migos in the locker room back in 2010. You can never verify if he was with his friends sitting watching Kobe score 80 points. And if he said before the game he's going to score 70. You could never verify um, LeBron and if he actually did read Malcolm X's book or not. You can't. So... That's why he says these things, because he knows nobody can verify them. But something's got to be done about LeBron and just the bold-faced lies that he tells. I think it's hilarious. 
And it's turned into a meme at this point because nobody actually believes a lot of the stuff he says anyways. And nobody thinks that because he's saying these harmless lies that it makes him any less of a basketball player. He's still an incredible basketball player, probably top three of all time. That being said, people are wondering why he feels the need to just straight up boldface lie. Uh, and in a lot of in a lot of times, you know, he's just trying to like agree in the situation to make people feel better. And I get that everybody's guilty of that at some point in their life. But LeBron has just done it over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to dis- it's hard to decipher between what he's actually saying and if it's true or if it's just one of those classic LeBron lies. So it's not a big deal. LeBron, you're still a great player, um, but at the end of the day, brother, let's try to hold back on the fabrication, if at all possible, okay? Here's what I'll say. Here's the last thing. Uh, The Astros won the World Series. The Astros won the World Series in 2022. And with the Astros World Series championship, it has solidified a handful of things. Number one, the Astros were always a great team. They were always loaded. They were always built the right way. They had always deserved to win not only a championship this year, but potentially last year and certainly in 2017 when they cheated to go to the World Series. I say cheated in ex- and I say cheated with quotes around it because they certainly were stealing signs. But for anybody who knows anything about how baseball works and how everybody is always trying to find a way to get a leg up, to get around the rules, if you truly believe in your heart that the Houston Astros were the only team using technology to steal signs in 2017 and prior to that, you might be the most ignorant person on the planet if you truly believe that. I'm not saying it's right that the Astros stole signs, but what I am saying is that they were not the only ones stealing signs. So for them to be hammered and ridiculed and mocked and booed and all those different things by everybody because they were the ones that were the most obvious and got caught, it's not fair and it's all completely out the window and completely shut down because now they are officially World Series champions again they didn't cheat to get there this time. They proved up and down the lineup and threw out the pitching staff. They were the best team in baseball. So congratulations to the Astros, the ones who cheated in 2017 along with half the league, right? Because let's be honest, technology back then and the rule enforcements back then, they just weren't that tight. I could guarantee you, based on a handful of different things, uh, that they probably... Not only were they probably not the only ones stealing signs, but I I think I might have some pretty definitive proof that there were other people stealing signs. So with the on the backs of the Astros winning the World Series, okay, let me say this. I can prove to you that the Astros weren't the only ones cheating back in 2017. 
you all all you have to do is pull up two different players and their baseball reference pages. The first baseball reference page you pull up is Cody Bellinger. The second one you pull up is Christian Yelich. Cody Bellinger in 2017. He hit 39 home runs as a rookie. He won Rookie of the Year, 97 RBIs, 933 OPS. In 2019 with the Dodgers, the year before all the stuff broke out about the Astros, Cody Bellinger hit 47 homers, 115 RBIs, 1035 OPS, and he got first place in MVP voting. He won the MVP that year. 2020, COVID year, after the allegations broke out, and the league cracks down on the use of technology to steal signs. What does Cody Bellinger do that year? Hits 239 with the 789 OPS. What does he do last year in 2021? He hit 165 with a 542 OPS. And this past season, he hit 210 with a 654 OPS. Quite the drop-off from a guy who goes from winning the MVP to the next three years having an average batting average. Let me let me calculate that out. 2020, he hit 239. Whoops. 239 plus 165 plus 210. Two, whoops. 239 plus 165 plus 210. 614 divided by 3. 204. The guy goes from winning the MVP in 2019 to the last three years having an average batting average of 204. What happened, Cody? It's almost like the league cracked down on using technology to steal signs. Next thing you know, Cody Bellinger is not that good anymore. What about Christian Yelich? Christian Yelich in 2017 hit 18 homers, 81 RBIs, 807 OPS. 2018, Christian Yelich hits 36 homers, 110 RBIs, 326 batting average, 1,000 OPS, wins the MVP. 2019, Christian Yelich hits 44 home runs, 329 batting average, 1,100 OPS. Second place in MVP to Cody Bellinger. The following year, COVID, it's 205. The following year, 2020, 58 games, he hits 205. 2021, 248 with nine homers. Last year, he played 154 games. He had 14 home runs. And he hit 252 with a 738 OPS. What changed? All I see is the calendar year flipping over from 2019 to 2020. Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich were battling for MVP awards year after year. 2017, 2018, 2019. Oh, the Astros were cheating. The Astros were stealing signs using technology. And Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger's numbers exploded just 
plummeted into the Earth's core. And how is this relevant? Well, it's relevant because, like I said, if you guys think the Astros were the only ones stealing signs in 2018, 17, 16, 2019 even, if you think the Astros were the only ones stealing signs before they got busted, you're out of your mind. Let me say this, all right? I know Christian Yelich is dealing with an injury, and I actually really like Christian Yelich as a dude. I think he's a great guy. But if somebody came to you and said, hey, this guy over here who does the same job as you is having a lot more success, and he's not necessarily breaking the rules, and we can offer you the same opportunity to do the same thing and have a lot more success. Would you say yes or no? I would say yes every time. Every single time. I'm not accusing them. I'm not saying it's definite. I'm not saying Cody Bellinger definitely cheated. I'm not saying Christian Yelich definitely cheated. What I am saying is those numbers are incredibly suspicious. And they also happen to line up exactly with the Astros cheating scandal and the year they got busted and then the following year of the major league base of uh the following year the league cracking down on the use of technology. That's all I'm saying. Congratulations to the Houston Astros, man. Seriously, they deserve it. Dusty Baker, Dusty Baker. This is the last thing I'll say before I sign off here, okay? Dusty Baker. If anybody deserved to win a World Series in the game of Major League Baseball, past or present, I would put Dusty Baker close to the top of my list. 2002. Dusty Baker goes all the way to the World Series, loses in seven games in pretty heartbreaking fashion to the Anaheim Angels. 2003, the Cubs are hot again. They're in the postseason. Steve Bartman reaches his dirty mitts over the ledge. The Chicago Cubs curse lives through another year. Dusty Baker manages a few more years after that with the Cubs, never gets his World Series. He goes to the Reds. He wins with the Reds in different seasons, 91 games, 97 games, 90 games, goes to the Nationals three years later and wins 95 and 97 games in back-to-back years. Doesn't win a World Series. Goes to the Astros during the COVID year. Has to deal with all the bullshit the Astros are getting put through after they get caught cheating. Dusty's got nothing to do with it. He takes it on the chin. He takes over a burning ship, rescues it, takes the Astros to the American League Championship Series, loses in heartbreaking fashion. 2021, Astros win the American League pennant. They play the underdog Atlanta Braves. Everybody's got the Astros winning it. They come up short again. And finally, finally, finally this year, Dusty Baker has an incredible baseball team, 106 wins, Houston Astros. And they win the World Series. 
He's worked his tail off to get there. He played a long time in the major leagues. He's managed forever in the major leagues. And he's had some of the worst breaks imaginable for a manager. And now he's a world champion. Good for Dusty Baker. Anybody can say whatever they want about the Astros and the guys on the team and this and that. But nobody can say that Dusty Baker doesn't deserve this World Series championship. So hats off to Dusty. Congratulations. Enjoy it. Go celebrate with your family. And at this point, Dusty's got to consider, I mean, he's reached to the pinnacle. He's reached the mountaintop. He's done it. I wouldn't be surprised if Dusty, he's 73 years old, man. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, it's one more year under his belt. Maybe next year is kind of his farewell tour, you know, or maybe two years. But to, to manage for that long, I mean, he's managed since he was 44, almost 30 years, man. 30 years almost since he first started managing. Come on, dude. That's crazy, dude. Crazy. It's good for Dusty. And speaking of wrapping it up, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you guys for tuning in to episode 41 of the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully you guys are Tuning in on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Go follow us on Twitter, at PhenomFam. Go follow us, okay? We appreciate you guys listening. If you do, as always, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Uh, Episode 42. We will be through week 10 of the NFL, most likely, unless we record later this week. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll catch you later thanks for listening to the phenomenal fan podcast want more follow us on social media and subscribe to patreon for exclusive content